You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Still, a Michael J. Fox movie follows the life of the beloved actor and advocate, utilizing both an interview format as well as footage from his own films and TV performances and recreations of pivotal personal moments of his life. The film explores his personal and professional triumphs and travails and what happens when an incurable optimist is confronted by an incurable disease. This film is one part documentary, one part biopic with Michael taking us through every moment and directed by David Guggenheim, who is responsible for some truly incredible documentaries like An Inconvenient Truth, It Might Get Loud, Waiting for Superman, My Name is Malala. (laughs) So uh, this guy knows what he's doing. And fun fact, he's Elizabeth Shue's husband. So back to the future connection. I am TCD with the Screener Squad, and I am joined by Neil. Hello. Ryan. Hey, hey, hey. And Melina. Hello. Well, Squad, this is a very important film for me on so many levels. Michael J. Fox is an idol of mine before his diagnosis and even more after. And for so many personal reasons for myself, I have to assume we're all fans to sign up for this review. So do all of you have a connection with him as well? I certainly would hope that any person who calls themselves a film lover has a very deep and soft spot for Michael J. Fox. I would I would hope so too. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I grew up, you know, watching the original Back to the Future movies with my dad like over and over and over and those movies are a big part of why I care about movies so much today. And I think like you said Melina, I think a lot of people feel that way and he is the one of the main reasons why those movies are so special. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Sorry Eric Stoltz. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, how about you? Uh, I was on board from Alex P. Keaton on and Back to the Future. I would put it in the serious discussion of strongest trilogies. But also for me, the personal connection is there as well. I lost my grandfather to Parkinson's. It wasn't, it didn't hit him in the same ways and it wasn't early onset like Fox's is. But um, I've been a fan of a lot of other of Michael's stuff too. It's not just, you, you were able to see early on his range just from family ties. There wasn't as the same serious and dark in Back to the Future, but you saw it in his other movies too. Mm-hmm. First hearing of this, I couldn't, I couldn't wait to see it. Yeah, I had to snatch up this slot to review this as well. Back to the Future is easily one of the most important movies of my entire life. It is, it was... It was this movie I was obsessed with before I could even watch it. My, I remember my older brother and sister got to go see Back to the Future 2 in theaters. And I was like, I want to go. And my mom's like, you're too little. You're not going to see a, this movie. And so I was just obsessed with the movie before I ever even saw it. And I don't know what it was that made me love Back to the Future. And then therefore, once I finally could see it, just I, I love Michael J. Fox. I I've seen every one of his movies, and and he does have this 
incredible range. And, and something that this movie showed, which made me start thinking about like other le- actors that I really like, he started selecting roles that were very reflective of his own personal struggle. They talk about it in the latter half of the film, how he picks a lot of roles of men who are faking their way to success or men who are lying about their true demons and selves and trying to struggle their way through that uh, successfully or unsuccessfully. I, I thought I knew so much about Michael J. Fox. I've read his books. I've I followed his career. I'm, I'm a huge fanboy for this. But what this movie presented wasn't just here's the life and times of this actor we all know it honed in very specifically this lens of his rise to success in spite of his parkinson's which came very soon into his career he blew up with back to the future he blew up with freaking teen wolf because of back to the future yeah but by the time back to the future 3 was filming he was already showing signs you can see him running in back to the future 3 with a gait that suggests what his disease was he had already been diagnosed at that point yeah it wasn't like he was unaware of it which i don't know about you guys when he said i was in my late 20s when i was diagnosed with parkinson's i audibly gasped because i had no idea he was that young i didn't know that either when it hit him yeah it's just it's insane and he even talks about it in the movie it's like i mean it's 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 seen as a disease that only older people get and for him obviously getting it at any time is awful but like to get it so young when your career is taking off like that, it's it's just so difficult. And what was so beautiful about this documentary is that it just, it captures his resilience so well. Yeah. Like how at first he handles it by kind of trying to push it away and not wanting to acknowledge it and not wanting to tell people, but just seeing that he was able to accept it more and more over time and that, and just how he was able to deal with it better than I, I think most people would be able to. Yeah. It, it was just, was just very, very inspiring to watch. And the documentarian asks him at one point, well into the movie, you haven't said anything about the pain. Are you in pain? And he's like, yeah, of course, of course I'm in pain. I'm in pain for this reason and this reason. And, but th- what's the point of talking about that? You, oh, his actual response was, uh, the documentarian said, why haven't you talked about the pain? And Michael's response was, well, you didn't ask. <laughs> like he's, he's just, I this... wasn't going to lead with that. Yeah. I, I think why a lot of us fell for him in the movies is why this doc works too. He's just there. He's, I wouldn't say brave, but he knew going into this, like show all the warts and wrinkles with it. Early in the movie, there's two things. It's in the trailer where they talk about, like, rising star taken down by this, blah, blah, blah. And his response is, well, that'd be boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. there's just a simple little scene. He's walking outside with his physical therapist and something happens. 99% of anyone else in this movie potentially is being made would be, take that out. That's embarrassing. Right. But to him, it's like, no, you got to show that this is my everyday life. This is just my walk on the sidewalk, uh, an encounter with a stranger and something happens. But he lets all that out and he's charming in this even with this disease stealing parts of him away he's still very charming and open and i think that's why this this doc i mean it did such a good job i'm greedily i wish there was a second part they could have gone into more of if it's symptoms or what he's done with the fight because i know in the 2000s he was very much out there and they just barely are able to cover that because they're covering so much of leading up to it and after it but Mm-hmm. The advocacy he did in a time when stem cell research and that type of stuff was 
being stigmatized through politics, he's fighting against that. They mentioned quickly he's raised $2 billion, but what can you do potentially? Like, there was more here I wish they would have done because they had done such a good job with what we got. I greeted mm-hmm. like, give me another hour, give me a part two, something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I think that I, I think I felt the same way that you did only when it came to the ending because I love that they put in so much about what he's done as an advocate since he went public with his diagnosis. He has a foundation with his wife. He went and spoke before Congress, which I didn't know. He went and spoke alongside Muhammad Ali. And it, I think it's maybe two or three minutes after that that the movie ends. And I think I was shocked. I was like, I thought I this didn't really feel like it was at its end. It felt like there was maybe more that they were going to go into. But then I realized, okay, well, they're not trying to make this the Parkinson's advocacy movie beyond what it needs to be in that regard. This is supposed to be squarely about Mm -hmm. this man. This is a portrait about his life, his career, where he is now compared to where he's been. And if there is a scene that I think perfectly sums this up, it is the one that you just talked about, Neil, where, yeah, he's early on taking that walk and he falls his physical therapist tries to help him up. And then this woman who's just walking by at the time sees this and asks him, are you all right? And he goes, yeah, yeah. I always land on my feet, (laughs) which she she immediately laughs at. And then she says, it's very nice to meet you, sir. Yeah, that that optimism, that joy. And yeah, it's as mentioned, it's in the trailer of like, it would be boring. That'd be a boring story to talk about the woe is me pain and sadness of this. It's so interesting to me what was chosen to be focused on. Obviously, we are focusing on the story of Michael J. Fox and how we're telling that story as he's talking about his debilitating disease and as it's growing, using footage from his films and and TV show appearances to inform the narrative. So when Michael J. Fox, the, the person, picked up the newspaper to read about something, they're showing a clip from one of his movies of that era where he's you looking at a newspaper or when he's when he was a kid and he was trying to like or he was being bullied and feeling a certain way about it. they're showing a clip from a movie and it's not just like I'm talking about it and now here's the archive footage that puts that into greater context the way this movie is constructed is half biopic we are watching Michael J Fox perform his life story using his performance it's such an incredibly unique documentary well, they also use reenactments, which I've seen Vice do that with some of their shows, where they don't show you like the person's face to break the yeah, illusion. It's always the back of the head. But they set it up like the opening of the movie, the first time he notices something. We weren't in there. There are no cameras in there, but they do a complete no, reenactment. And you don't, they don't break the illusion, but you think you were there. Yeah, it's this three-point attack of filmmaking of the interview, the archival footage, and then those recreations so seamlessly blended together at times. Yeah. Really, really neat. I was going to ask you guys what you thought about that, but because I'm, I'm like, for me, I'm like, the entire time I was watching it, I thought there's so many ways that this could have gone wrong mm-hmm. taking that approach. It could have felt like they were being self indulgent with how many of his clips they were showing, like they were basically just showing his grand reel. Yeah, yeah. More than that, actually felt like it was mirroring the narrative of his life. And the reenactments could have been very cheesy as they have known to be, mm-hmm. or they have known to be that when it comes to documentaries. Here, I was like, I'm shocked that these are all working as well as they are, because for the most part, I'm not really paying attention to it. It's like every 10 minutes, I have to kind of remind myself that this is what I'm seeing so that I can just 
take proper notes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, a lot of the Spin City was showing you his tricks he was coming up with to be filming, but to hide some of the issues he was having, like with the one hand and everything. So it was like, this is a strong word, but like evidence, showing you evidence of the tricks he was starting to learn to be able to do right. this. Yeah, it, the way they chose to tell this story just felt very seamless and tasteful. Because like, like you said, Melina, I really do think it, like there are way more instances than not where recreations can be really, really corny. And I, I felt like they, they really knocked it out of the park with this. Like uh, the transition between like his films and the, uh, the reenactments were just, just, they were just shot so well that it was seamless when they cut between them. And I really thought that worked so well and just helped to tell the story really well. And the way they bounced between present day and telling the history, it just it just all worked. One of the perspective moments that I really appreciated, I think I'm in love with Tracy Pollan now, uh, his wife. <laughs> the way that section is presented, how could you not fall in love with this woman? It's, I, it's such a loving look at just her, even for that brief little moment in the film where they, they focus on him falling in love with her and how strong she is that they are this dynamic duo from the get-go and that she kind of checked him right 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 when he probably could have tipped into asshole 80s success story territory she came in checked him on it and he's like well i'm in love now like that (laughs) that section i was just so endeared to both of them in that moment it's having watched a lot of television in my life whenever i see two co-stars fall in love and on TV, I'm like, boy, I hope they're in love in real life. Pam and Jim should be together, that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm so happy that Michael J. Fox and Tracy found each other and fell in love, and, and that, that section of the movie portrays her so beautifully. Yeah, I think that was also a perfect time to bring her into the narrative because it's right on the tails of the, as I've already started calling it, the Welcome to the Jungle segment of this <laughs> film where they talk about how, I mean, seriously, this guy went from having to sell off the, as he says, sectional sofa of my apartment, section by section, having to duck my landlord, having owed money to the IRS, to getting not one, but two smash hit films in the course of one year while still filming Family Ties. Yeah. That is insane. Becoming a literal <laughs> overnight superstar. And immediately, I like how the film shows how it kind of changed his behavior on the set of Family Ties. He went from being the shy kid who didn't know if he would ever get the audition to being kind of the diva. Mm-hmm. And I love how their meet cute, so to speak, is him making kind of an offensive joke in her direction and her being like, okay, you know what? You're an asshole. <laughs> And then he falls in love. He's like, I am And he an falls asshole. in love. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is just such an impressively put together story. To look at his success and to, to, to watch his rise into stardom. And then the story of his illness, this, this disease and, and how he faced it and, and came to accept it. And just this journey he's gone on is incredibly moving. And I laughed watching this. I cried. But there is this eternal optimism in this guy. And, and that just in the title alone still has so many meanings to it. Yes, sit still or I'm still going. I'm still here for so, so many reasons. I love Michael J. Fox. Hearing him tell this story is just incredibly moving and legitimately cool. I laughed watching this. I cried 
but there's something so optimistic in this overall film. He shows us that we can let our trauma and broken pieces of ourselves define us or challenge us to be more. And Michael is this glowing beacon of hope and determination, and I, I love him for it. I love this look into who he is and what he chooses to define him. I can't say enough of how much this movie spoke to me. And beyond, my opaque love for him is very clear. So I, I, I'm just going <laughs> to give my final rating here. This is a pleasant, empowering viewing. If you have someone in your life or if you've experienced disease, this is a film that's going to uplift you and not drag you down. Despite the agony of whatever illness you're going through, to see someone like this, who's already such a nice dude, <laughs> maintain <laughs> that heart and joy and love and and be this advocate for still going still being here um yeah this is a 10 out of 10 unanswered text messages for me <laughs> uh, so let's let's go into some other final thoughts here neil why don't you go i think one of my favorite scenes we're reflecting on it is when his family's giving him shit about his text messaging because it's so <laughs> garbled and full like of misspellings and they're just razzing him about it like they're not holding back this family doesn't treat him with kid gloves because I don't think he wants to be treated with kid gloves. He's the reason this works. If it was just a Parkinson's doc, it would be informative, but that's it. Again, my only hang up is I wish there was more. I wish they had done a second part or got go not deeper on him, but deeper on the topic with him presenting and talking about it. So it doesn't quite hit the 10 mark, but we're giving it nine and a, nine and a half out of 10 Michael J. Fox lunchboxes. <laughs> oh, that's such a good story. Signed, even. Wow. <laughs> Ryan. Hugs and kisses. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I really think one of the greatest things about this documentary is that I, I, I think that the filmmaking and the, the, you know, the director and the people who put this together really understood his philosophy because in different hands, it could have come off as a little like, like, like it was wallowing a little bit. And part of the, 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 the story is him getting Parkinson's and that is sad, but just his resilience really shines through. And um, I think the, the filmmaking really, really reflects that well. And it, it's, it's just so uplifting. And I feel like if you're, if you're a fan of Michael J. Fox at all, I think you need to watch this. And yeah, that lunchbox story of the executive, I think it was an executive or, or a director telling him like Brandon Tartikoff, who was the head of NBC network at the time. Yeah. Just saying like, he doesn't, he, you know, he's good. He's okay, but he can't see his face on a lunchbox. And then when his face is on a lunchbox after back to the future, he sends him a signed lunchbox. That's just such a, <laughs> such an amazing, uh, such a good story. It's the most polite fuck you of all time. That's it's right. so very good. Canadian of them, right? <laughs> it really is. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm going to give this. Uh, going to go with a classic. I'm going to give this nine out of ten hoverboards, which still don't exist. And I would love. I maybe maybe in some capacity, but I, I come on, Melina. Um, well, yeah, I think that you guys have said so much about this, and I think that yeah, my biggest fear was quickly quashed very early on because this is helmed by David uh, Davis Guggenheim who's done some of the best documentaries there are and I think that he's definitely not going for the scope of some of his previous films like you know The Inconvenient Truth or something like that this is very pointedly a very personal and very honest story of Michael J. Fox I do love that it's interactive between the two of them. There's so many times where it's Davis asking him a question, a very frank question. And one of the things that so endeared me to Michael 
beyond what he already was to me is how honest he's willing to be with his responses. He's, he's like, yeah, I'm in pain and I know that I don't have a lot of time left. I am very scared. I don't want this to go away. He's dealing with his mortality in a way that is far more sadly immediate than most people should ever have to. But he still has that great self-deprecating and very positive outlook on the life that he knows he's been so very fortunate to have. And he is still so clearly grateful for what he has now. And he will never, ever wallow in self-pity. He doesn't expect it or want it from anybody else. And that just, it moved me, it really did move me to tears to see him get to tell his story, knowing full well how little time in the grand scheme of things he has to do that. Yeah, I just, I can't say enough good about this. This absolutely will move you. Whether or not you have disease in your own life or tangential to your life, I have had to watch a parent, unfortunately, disintegrate right in front of my eyes to a disease similar to this. And all I can say is his kids are so very lucky that they still have their dad, that he's still there and that he is himself. And the banter between them is moving beyond anything I've seen all year. So I absolutely unequivocally give this 10 out of 10 gigawatts. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, there, there are so many organizations out there that are continuing to pursue stem cell research to look into uh, solutions for diseases like Parkinson's and, and other diseases of the type. If you're the type to donate to those sort of things, I highly suggest looking into the, the Fox Foundation, of course, is like the, the, the prime one there. Uh, but yeah, it, we all agree this is a movie well worth watching. And it's on Apple, so I feel like not a lot of people are going to see it. But if you have access to, seek it out. And uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Be good to one another. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Be excellent to each other, dudes. Wrong trilogy. Wrong, wrong time travel trilogy. <laughs> 